0: Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface, however, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today's guest is an AI collaborative artist and founder of Artemisia's Muse. Our passion is to create unique and thought-provoking art that resonates with those who appreciate and believe in the vision. Artemisia's Muse is a breathtaking series of NFTs brought to life by creative vision of APG Law. These small batch editions transport collectors to a realm of rich and varied fantasy lore, where they can discover and celebrate the powerful and inspiring women who inhabit this magical world. Each NFT is a work of art in and of itself, offering a rare and coveted opportunity to own a piece of this captivating world. Please welcome APG Law. AP, welcome to the show. Yo, what's uh, good morning, Ron. How are you? Good morning, GM, all of us in the Web3 world. This is what we talk about, NFT projects. What we talk about here on, on Stars Podcast is a growth mindset, and you have nothing short of a growth mindset, man. Um, just to dive into this NFT space in general, I can't wait to get into that story, but thank you so much for joining us today.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, you know, I've been following your work. Really excited to be here, um, and uh, I, you know, the, very much. so, I, I'm very into like the topics you discuss, and I feel like it's it's really at the crossroads of both uh, two things I'm interested in right now, especially the NFT space, and also um, constantly improving myself. I mean, that's something I've been doing. Um, you know, I'm 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 at this point 40. I'm about to turn 43 years old, and uh, it, it's something I've been working on. It's been a lifelong thing. So, would love to delve into that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, where does that even start at? Is that something that you were you a, a sports in high school, college? Did you play sports? Where Where does like the that? Because what I think about whenever I think about growth mindset, I think about us kind of coaching ourselves. We sort of have to figure out the different ways that that get us motivated to, to do the things that we do on a daily basis. And a lot for me has, has sort of been inspired by a lot of those coaches that I had early on in life. And I'm curious if, if we could go back even to that point in your life. Sure. Um, not to like have a therapy session here, but I would love yeah. to understand like the origin story of, of AP.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I'd say, um, you know, back in high school, Um, it's interesting because there are things that are happening and it's, it's hard to figure out what came first, the chicken or the egg. Um, and there are a lot of opportunities along the way where, uh, you learn from it at the time you, you don't, you know, you maybe didn't have that information at the time, but in high school, let's see, I was born in 1980. So by the time I was in high school, it was 1994, uh, to 1998. And that was really, um, As far as the internet goes, a lot of people didn't have the internet, like I'd say, early 90s. Um, I'd have to double check when AOL came out. I'd have to double check when people started getting.
0: um, I mean, I think for argument's sake, maybe like mid 90s.
1: Mid 90s, because I'll tell you what, we didn't even have um, fast internet until I got to college. And they had like T1 lines. Uh, Up until then, I was still on 54.4k. Um, dial-in service to AOL from, you know, let's say 94 to 98, but during that, that early time period of 94 to 98, uh, I was in high school, and with a lot of people, you know, with a lot of students, obviously, you know, we're doing our work, and that's great, but um, the internet comes, and I've got a lot of time to actually dabble in the internet, because, you know, grown-ups are actually working, right? They, they've got a day job, uh, kids are at home after school. You're, you're home from school by like 3 o'clock. I'm on the Internet all day, nonstop. And at first, you know, you start learning how to program. You start how, learning how to make websites. And at first, you do things for fun. And it's not until you start understanding how everything works that maybe you start finding ways to monetize it. So, so for me, you know, I spent a lot of time online, and I think as a, as a high school student, looking at it saying oh this is fun there's a lot of stuff here you can learn a lot of stuff um you know um even you know you make friends online my first back then it was weird because my first internet uh partners for my business uh were one guy from california who was like uh also my age at the time maybe like 16 17 18 but like the the third partner in our group he was in his 40s he was like a veteran um
0: that's incredible that you were a starting businesses at, in at 16 and then kind of looking at that. I, I want to dive into that too, but yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah. So, so I, you know, I was buying uh, a lot of domain names um, at the time, you know, it, it's like, you know, you're buying all these domain names and then you're creating all these websites. And um, you know, back then you think about, um, you know, I, I, I see your, your V friend in the back. And it, it's uh, one of the reasons I, gar- uh, I gravitate towards uh, Gary is he's said and crystallized a lot of things that I've already known. Uh, he knows so much more, but at the same time, he'll say something that I already knew that reinforces um, kind of what I've been thinking. And I'm kind of like, you know what? This guy also independently came up with this, but it's um, for, um, for, the, for the internet and um, what, what Gary V has said and what like, I've always known is like, you go to where the attention is And at the time, it was websites. That's where the traffic is. And for us, we had several businesses on the internet, but we were pushing traffic and all the traffic was through websites. So you take that traffic and you sell them off to advertisers. Um, I, I, I kept doing that even through college and um, we were pushing a lot of traffic.
0: How were you it. able to understand the, I mean, and I understand that you understood the interconnectedness and in the, the workings of the websites themselves, but how were you driving that business? I mean, was this 40 year old partner of yours, was that really like the, the catalyst that was showing you how to do it? Or were you showing them kind of, how did that dynamic work?
1: Yeah. Um, so, so the internet it, itself at that time, uh, everybody was kind of very much independent and, um, it like everybody was kind of doing their own side hustles, but like, as you're kind of doing your own side hustle um, there were uh, at that time. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. IRC, it was like a chat. It's like discord, but from a long time ago, you know? Okay. So it was, it was like, um, Oh, let's see.
0: I'm sure some of my listeners are like IRC. Yeah, for sure. I remember that. I remember yeah. like AOL instant messenger was my jam and then just AOL chat rooms, um, yeah. you know, ASL type stuff.
1: That's right. Before, so even before that, like, uh, Instant Messenger had bought out ICQ, uh, and it was, it was an acronym, uh, ICQ, but it was, it was meant to be, like, pronounced ICQ, so that was another platform that people used. It was just like Instant Messenger, and they essentially bought it out and tanked it, but, um, It had a pretty good user base among the people that were creating online so there's parallels even now like 20 years later or more than 20 years later, I see parallels between that early web two phase and what's going on right now in web three. So so I've got pretty keen pattern recognition as far as what happened the first go around in web two and what's happening right now in web three but um. So what happened was, you know, we're all kind of doing our thing. At first we're making websites uh, and we're learning how to make websites. And like, nobody's like, like people were just doing it for the fun of it before you started realizing that you could monetize it. Now all of a sudden, all these people that I knew, it's like, we were all doing it for fun. Now, all of a sudden, everybody was kind of like, well, I'm busy trying to make money now. Like, it's like, nobody was doing it for fun anymore. We were all kind of like, well, this is silly. Why were we making all these like banned websites and like fan pages for fun? Right. And just as easily, do something that generates money. Why don't we just do that instead? It's it's like the same amount of time. Let's just focus our resources on that. And uh, that was like really web two building. Um, and I, I remember at the time, um, you know, it, there's so many different hustles in in, in that in that space because um, you could either you know, make your own website, uh, try to come up with some sort of subscription service, or you could um, sell banner space. That was a thing, like people would sell banner space. And back then, early on, people didn't really understand how to um, monetize the web traffic. So early on, it looks so foolish now, but at the time, people would come into the space with so much money, like they've got like venture capitalists or or big money backing these companies that they're kind of like, well, I don't know. Let's just buy visitors for four cents a click, you know? And now looking back on it, it's sort of like four cents a click. It's sort of like, you don't even know if any of these are going to convert.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're just throwing it at the wind.
1: Yeah. You're kind of like, give me, give me four cents now. Like if you, if you've ever bought like advertising on any social media, like Facebook or something like that, you can really target your audience. But back then people were just kind of like, I will, uh, I'll buy your clicks for two cents, four cents. Um, And it's, again, like people would kind of like, all right, I mean, if you want to buy the traffic, I'll sell you the traffic, however I can get it. This might necessarily be quality traffic, but I will get you the traffic, you know? Um,
0: Yeah, now you can set like the age range, what their style is, what their lifestyle looks like. And then it's almost guaranteed that you're going to hit a thousand pages for, you know, 20 bucks. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, it's very targeted nowadays.
1: Target the demographic. Mm -hmm. That's really where... It, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, so, so in in those early days, um, you know, I when I was in, I was doing this also in college, concurrently in college. And um, you know, what's interesting about the internet and being able to like program and things like that, you can really kind of um, leverage a lot of different things. So you're probably like, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, well, how do you do all these things and also be a student? It's sort of like, well, you know, programming. If you're able to program, you can use that to leverage your time. Um, Also, too, the Internet opened up this idea that like, well, why don't I hire somebody like in a different country that charges a lot less? Um, And now all of a sudden you've got a programmer that's like, you know, from like, let's say Eastern Europe, who's like another kid, but like money goes such a long way with that kid. So he's like, oh, I'm happy to program all this stuff with you. He's like a whiz. And you're paying him a lot of money for the United States, but it's a ton of money for wherever he is. Um, So then you're, you're able to juggle this. And then, you know, as far as like different ventures go, you know, you will sometimes partner up. So like even that 42 year old that we had partnered, I think he was, I think he was 42. I think he was older than 40, but I'm not sure exactly what Um, we actually brought him in because he had a lot of established connections in web two. So, um, it, it, it was a little bit risky because I think we, me and my other partner in California, who's about my age, we already had the logistics, the infrastructure, we had all the um, the web pages, the, the, um, all the coding behind it. That was all kind of already done. The only thing this guy brought to the table was, number one, his connections within Web2 web and the fact that he himself um, was controlling a lot of traffic on the Internet so he already had like he brought with him kind of like um an established base understood
0: of, uh, was there any any time during during the uh, i guess that building phase of yours um that you were like oh my god what are we doing it got it got really stressful um uh, maybe a horror story of sorts or was it pretty smooth sailing
1: you know um so so this happened you know like uh late high school and then college so so one of the issues, I think, for me was I had always thought that um, I always I guess, knew I was going to go to law school, right? But, um, you know, in college, I mean, we were making a lot of money. Um, it's It was enough money that I was kind of like, well, you know what, why would I go to law school if, you know, we're already making money? But it wasn't like, um, like, for example, like, you know, I knew some, some people that I would consider my peers who were like probably like exactly my age. But when they hit, they hit big. So when I say big, I'm not kind of like talking like the size of like Uber or Snapchat or anything like that. I'm just like, this is some random dude that like you've never heard of and never will. But like at the age of, let's say, 17, he hit like three years really hard and he made like, let's say, 25 million bucks. And he had enough of a nest to be like, well, I'm never going to, you know, maybe I'll go to college, but like I'm not, I'm not going to work like a real job.
0: Right. Was this like the norm around your circle? Like those were the people that you hung around?
1: Well, they were all the online people.
0: Oh, so okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So so it's, it's, it's the equivalent of the Discord. So like, um, and back then, um, there were like message boards. There was IRC. IRC is practically like Discord. So everybody just goes in and everybody just kind of chats. And even people that weren't collaborating with one another, they would still go to the chat because they kind of just want to see what everybody else was doing. So there there are people in that chat, that Discord, let's say, who are all working independently from one another. But because everybody's kind of like either in the same business or know the same people, they go in there. We're not even trying to network with one another. And although I found my two partners in there, we weren't trying to like develop business. We're just in there in case like anybody has alpha, you know, like somebody has alpha on some new Of course. And everybody's kind of like, oh, we got to hop on this. Um, This is a great opportunity. And now all of a sudden, everybody's like jumping on this new track. It's usually like some new company who's like buying a lot of traffic for like a lot of money. And all of us are kind of like, listen, you want to buy the traffic, we can send you traffic. Um, But um, so, so, you know, for me, though, it ended because um, in college, you know it's 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 not like I had you know I'm not like this guy who made like twenty five million dollars and it's kind of like oh i'm I'm all done. it's like it's a lot of money if like you're gonna have a job, you know like in lieu of a normal job sure. but the problem I thought with the with the internet and it's sort of like you know I, I feel like having confidence is one thing, but being grounded is also very important because I'm not sure, and I didn't, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to evolve as fast as the internet was moving. Because I could see from that time period of like when I was like 16 years old to when I was about 21 years old, I was like the internet had already moved so fast. And there's, there's a lot of little things that like I had done where I had first mover advantage, but um, it, it um it wasn't necessarily enough to like maintain because like what happens is when something new comes out, it's great for a little while until somebody out there who's super smart comes in and finds all the efficiencies. And because they're able to use programming to their advantage, now all of a sudden, they're working on super small um, profit margins that essentially, push everybody out because it's kind of like it's not that you can't do it; it's just that you. Yeah, can't it's the
0: it race best. to zero type of thing. It ends up becoming exactly. that commodity versus a, a specialized act.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is, and it's usually somebody from overseas. It's somebody who's like super smart at programming, and then now all of a sudden, uh, because I remember I was in I was already in law school when I think I'm trying to think Google AdWords came out in. um in, while I was in law school. And I remember at that time, I had already programmed a few things that like was helping me like essentially buy premium domain names. But I essentially used that same program that I had written to um, find premium ca- keywords on Google AdWords. So at that time I was kind of like, oh, I can retool this program real quick. Um, essentially I was buying, Google AdWords would let you buy traffic for as little as five cents. So I would essentially use the program to buy anything that I could buy that was worthwhile for five cents. And then it was like arbitrage, I would sell it for more to some other um, advertiser. It's all on the up and up. It's just that it, it was like arbitrage between- like Yeah, it's
0: interesting that you were using the the tech and I'm gonna fast forward here a little bit um, because you're using tech now that fast forward however many years from, from those Google ads, um, now you're into ai and generative art and this nft project of yours uh not to skip too far ahead but i do i want to dive into that because i see a lot of parallels with what you're you're talking about um in high school into college and then even through college um and how you're leveraging sort of the same process in in ai world um so can you give me a little bit of understanding as to, you know, what is the project? And I know I butchered the name. So if you could say the name as well, yeah. um, I, that way, uh, that way all of our listeners here, they understand exactly what, what they're listening to here.
1: Yeah. So, so I, um, it, it, okay. So let me just, before I pronounce the name, I'm just going to say that, um, I'm a little bit of a, like a, a tech purist in the sense that like this project I'm, I'm creating and I, I'm doing, um, it's like it's for my amusement and my entertainment you know what I mean so like um in my head I thought it would be very funny to use as much AI as I possibly could to create this project so uh down from AI um creating the pictures uh, or the art uh to you know although you know although I do make edits to some of the art um even the edits are with the are I use AI to to kind of um Uh, to do those edits so it's very much pure ai even down to the descriptions um and even down to the title of the project because as i was making this project i'm essentially asking uh ai um you know chat gpt i don't know if you've been
0: oh yeah i've been i've been messing around quite a bit with that over the last maybe month and a half
1: yeah yeah so so as i was uh you know brainstorming this project with chat gpt i was like Okay, now give me a good name for this project. You know, after like the history of everything we had been doing with it, it had like the chat history of everything, and they were like, okay, here's some ideas. And I went with the first one. So I think it's um, Artemisia's Muse. I I guess that's how you pronounce it. I really.
0: Good. I I didn't butcher it that bad at all then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. Sweet. Um, You know, I think somebody out there could come at and say, uh, hey, uh, AP. That's actually based on a real person, and that that that's pronounced this. But I, I don't know because we're online, and you know you're one of the few people I'm actually saying it out loud too. Oh,
0: okay, got it. Yeah, we just keep typing it.
1: Yeah, we just keep typing it. Um, so 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 much so much of it is is uh, AI dependent, and that's on purpose because um, I I think one of the things and one of the reasons why I wanted to get this project out and. 2022. I think for me, at least, the significance is that um, there's not too many things that I'd say are um, very disruptive. I mean, there are there are disruptors, but I thought the internet was very disruptive in the 1990s. Um, we can talk about Web three, and we can talk about that being disruptive. I think AI is um, super disruptive, uh, just based on what I'm seeing right now. So. You know this this project. You know the utility is the art and, and and what I'm I'm creating, but part of it too is I want a record on the blockchain of this transition in time from when all of us are here doing whatever we're doing and and it's essentially what we understand this time to be, to a future that I think is going to be dominated by. AI in every single like facet of our lives. This is going to be built in. We may not even see it. We may not even realize it. But for somebody like me, who's, let's say, 43 years old, I know what it was like before the internet, and I know what it's like after the internet. Uh, I have kids. I talk, with, I talk to them about it. And, you know, when you think about all the changes that have happened between before internet and now that we have, like, we're essentially watching Netflix from our phones, you know? Right, which
0: is insane to think that we were using a dial-up connection at the beginning of this, and now we're, yeah. I mean, I, th- I just bought an internet package yesterday. I can't even remember the speed, but it was insane. I can use, like, a Wi-Fi booster that plugs into my outlet and hardwire into my computer, and it's it's solid, you know, which is insane to me, the upload and download speed that we have now. Um, and I, I also echo your opinion on AI. I think it's one of the biggest disruptors that we're going to see and something that we need to pay special attention to, especially in terms of um, of, of buying habits and viewing habits and things like that. And I think that Web3 is in a unique position to leverage a lot of that um, to for us to actually own some of that. i curious what you think about that as far as a transition goes to instead of just being an actor in the ecosystem, actually being an earner in the ecosystem um, just as a general population. Do you think that there's going to be a lot more activity to earn uh, type of programs out there, like with Netflix, for example, or Hulu or or whatever you're going to be involved in?
1: I I, I think so. And I think whoever figures that out first, um, you know, will make a ton of money. I mean, you think about it now. Um, there are so many things that go through phases and, um, you know, social media, you think about social media and I referenced it before, but like, um, not on this podcast, but I, I've mentioned it to you in and in at least a DM, you know, um, because I have kids and um, because, you know, I want to monitor like types of things that they're doing, you know, when, when they move over from Musical.ly to TikTok, I joined TikTok because I'm like, what is this new thing that everybody's on? And yes, I look sir. at that, and, you know, um, as I'm, as I'm looking at it, it's like the pattern recognition and I start seeing like the, the for you page. And I'm like, number one, I was kind of like, TikTok is brilliant. This algorithm is unbelievable. I, I I've never seen anything like it. I think it's an amazing app. Um, but as I see it, I'm kind of like, um, I could, I, I, I saw the pattern. Like, it's almost like I can reverse engineer essentially what the algorithm is. And, um, one of the things, this is one of my life hacks in life, is that I don't need to understand how something works. I just need to know that it does work. So, for example, um, you know that when you hit a light switch and the lights come on, you don't. I don't have to understand how electricity works or what's wired to what. Or I, I, I in fact, I don't know anything about it. I just know that if I hit the light switch, the light comes on, and that's all I need to know. So when you look at TikTok and you see the For You page and you see what's going on, I'm kind of like, all right, here's what I think the algorithm is um, is either um, favoring, and then I just have to create content that elicits responses from the viewers that create um, those kinds of responses that the algorithm would say, oh, this is good content. So, like, my account on TikTok at its peak hit over half a million followers Um, I I think I I hit about 520,000 followers at my peak. And that's not me even trying to monetize or do anything. But at some point, you know, I keep pushing it. And the question becomes, and I I used to get it from a lot of people, like, you keep doing this, but I guess what is your end game here? And I'm kind of like, well, you know what, it's easy enough for me to gain all these followers. Um, Why don't I keep doing it until I can figure out how to monetize it? I did get sponsorships. I, I, I think I got several sponsorships. Uh, one of them was from Hewlett Packard. So that was cool. Um, some other, some other um, sponsorships were pretty cool because I, I got some cool stuff and got some money. That's great. Um, but then you start looking at it and you're kind of like, well, TikTok's pay scale was not that great for um, profit sharing. Or something like that because they essentially own all that content that's their platform if they want to like push you off you're gone there are people with like millions of followers millions of views but if tiktok finds your content to be um not suitable or for you know whatever flimsy reason that they can come up with they're kind of like listen you're just off the platform and that's their right that's their platform they can do whatever they want um so so i think i think a lot of creators on tiktok complain often about the revenue sharing model of, of those clicks. So you're so dependent on, um, and I think that's something that web three might fix with like, essentially you may be creating content and you owning that content and you being able to possibly make money off of that content. Um, this podcast, where do you, where do you typically post this?
0: So this is typically posted really everywhere that everybody downloads podcasts. So Spotify, iHeartRadio. radio, Okay. itunes uh, google play store and then obviously on youtube and then i do a okay. bunch of clips on youtube and tiktoks
1: got it okay so then um you know uh, another thing with my daughter is um, she was playing roblox and and part of it was hey you know what i don't want to necessarily when i'm playing with my children you know i don't want to necessarily pull them into the games that we used to play when when we were young because it's sort of like listen if they like those games they would have been playing those games but They're on Roblox. They're on, like, their phone app games, you know? So I joined her on, you know, Roblox to to play where she is. And then as I'm playing that, um, you know, I start realizing, okay, this is a kid's game. Um, And, you know, I can kind of see now the appeal of, like, one of the games that I would play. It was, like, Adopt Me, which is part of Roblox. And as I'm playing it, I probably became one of the best players in the world in this game. Now, I think it's easy for people to say, well, yeah, isn't that a kid's game? Of course, you're probably one of the best. You're probably also one of the only adults playing the game. Uh, And that's fair. That's fair. Sure, sure. A fair assessment. Yeah, that's like that scene in Billy Madison. You've got Adam Sandler playing dodgeball with a bunch of, like, um, a bunch of
0: kindergartners and third graders. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, of course, yeah. Uh, So, anyway, as I'm playing, I'm just playing on my phone, and I'm kind of like, oh, you know what? Um, my wife was like, why don't you like, start it, uh, a YouTube channel or post, post that content? And I was like, yeah, okay, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. So I, um, I started recording, uh, screen recording on my phone. I'm playing on an iPhone, screen recording, and then I would just take like 10-second to 15-second clips, add some narrative, some analytical context to what I was doing, and then I would post it on YouTube. No friction, no fuss straight from screen recording on my iPhone to posting on YouTube. My content was good for what it was, which is analytical content for a kid's game. Um, I was posting every day for like two months to like zero views, okay? Like there's no views, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think here's another like life hack or, or growth mindset type of thing is that I don't need a lot of views. Like for me, like a lot is like relative. Because like, think of it this way. If I was playing a video game at home and I had 15 people in the room with me cheering me on, that's me playing in a room, in a room playing video games. And everybody was like rooting me on 15 people. That's a lot of people in my, in that room rooting me on. Well, you can get more than 15 views on YouTube. Okay. When I say zero views, I don't mean zero, zero. I just mean not a lot, but that's two months. Yeah, I understand. I kept posting. I kept posting for two months. I'm like a delusional person. I will just keep going. But like, um, I think my confidence is grounded, and I, um, i you know, I. It's what, like one of those things where you'll grow. Like you, each time you do something, you learn, and you keep doing it, you learn more, and you look at other people that are successful. You don't need to know how the uh, how something works. You just have to know that it does work. So you, other, you see other people hitting the light switch and the light comes on. You just need to figure out what those light switches are. So after posting for about two months, the algorithm picked me up on YouTube. And um, within a short period of time, I, I, I went from about like no followers to about um, over 80,000 followers on YouTube. Um, their revenue model, which was a lot better than TikTok, was they pay 55% of the um Whatever ad video revenue that you generate. So I think last year, and I'll just say this because it's I haven't even I haven't posted on YouTube in a long time because my daughter stopped playing the game and, and I kind of just stopped playing the game also. But um, I generated about seventeen thousand dollars off of me playing a kid's game on my phone, screen recording 10 second clips, recording my analytical content, posting it on YouTube from my phone. My entire YouTube business is on my phone.
0: <laughs> this and is I was incredible. Able to
1: generate from my phone off a kids game right on YouTube. So when you look at like my YouTube, even like my thumbnail pictures, um, it's literally it's so ridiculous because I take essentially a part of my video, I, I take a screen cap of that, of that, um, that page, I put my logo over one section to kind of add some mystique or mystery to like, you know, you don't see the whole thing. And then, and then that's it. So it's all done on my phone. But you know that 55%. It's actually I think a pretty good percentage for for YouTube to pay. But again, they own I don't really it's hard it's hard to say I I I I think I do own that content except that like YouTube has so much control over that. Uh they have the ability to demonetize you. They have the ability to uh take your video down and we've seen that with a lot of creators because it's sort of like they post on YouTube And if something should go wrong and they get like either banned or suspended or they're demonetized, um, it's hard. And I think the future probably of Web3 and what's going on with content uh, being decentralized, I think at some point somebody will come up with something where you actually own the content and maybe it'll be, you know, you'll be able to monetize it in such a way that, um, you know, it's immutable. It's kind of like it's hard to. Uh, it'd be harder for them to shut you
0: down, so yeah, absolutely. I
1: think that's probably the end goal, you know,
0: I think so too, and I think that there's something to be said about maybe even fractionalization of your of your creation and kind of how it can all fit into your your customers, your viewers, and how they can sort of buy maybe an NFT that represents a piece of the fraction and there, there's a lot of options there. And then also too, instead of having a centralized uh, YouTube, you have a decentralized autonomous organization, some sort of Dow situation that a bunch of people decide whether or not you become deplatformed platformed or not. Um, right. Yeah. I, th- all those are really interesting. And I wanted to dive in a little bit further um, on the light switch analogy that you keep using yep. because it's something that a lot of these influencers out in the world, they, they push a lot and they really just teach you exactly what to do, but you, they, nobody does it because it does take about two months to really fall into these algorithms. Um, where does, where does that mindset come from? Are are you reading books? Are you listening to other people? Like where, where is your growth mindset sort of getting its juice from?
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, That's a great question um so so as as much as like um you know I, I i believe in myself i also don't believe in reinventing the wheel okay so i i think that there are a lot of um uh, a lot of people that have a lot of good information um you know even like um so i i have a long commute um so i've always had a long commute you know i've been practicing law for about close to 18 years now and um, this whole time, I think I have a commute of about one hour each way. So I've listened to a lot of audio books along the way. And um, I, I, I listen to a lot of different people. I, I mean, whether it's like Tony Robbins or like, um, you know, any of these other people that have like, um, um, you know, that, or even somebody like Gary Vee. And like, you know, a lot of times, like you listen to a lot of what they say and, you know, not necessarily... All of it will click, or maybe you know a lot of it might be fluff. But sometimes the fluff is necessary to put the idea in context. Uh, so
0: I couldn't a, agree more.
1: Like an idea doesn't need to be complicated for it to work, but sometimes you need the context to really drive it home. So, so for me, I have listened to a lot. It's a little hard for me to necessarily attribute certain like ideas I have to any one individual. Um, you know, it, it, it may be something that either I kind of picked up along the way, or because I've heard it before, by the time I saw it, I subconsciously picked it up. Um, is there, so-
0: is there something that you, you go back to frequently or somebody that you go back to frequently? I'm um, just trying to guess maybe some actionable items for our listeners here, like maybe oh, yeah. a book or a podcast or maybe an influencer that, that you like really get dive into.
1: Jeez. Um, there's, you know, I, I, some of them I have on CD, and I, I don't even remember the the name of the people. I I, I will say Tony Robbins has a, has a, a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, he's somebody that, um, you know, he's been doing this for a very long time. Uh, he he delves into a lot of different topics, but um, you know, I I think he's been on the money for a lot of things. It's a little weird because, like, you know, for for me, my age, very early on in Tony Robbins' career there was a little bit of, I think, a stigma because he's somebody that would have like infomercials on at like three o'clock in the morning. And people are kind of like, who is this snake oil salesman? But it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, you, you know, you can listen to something and kind of decide for yourself whether or not it's helpful. And, you know, I, I think a lot of his things are helpful. I I, I, I stand behind an, uh, a lot of what Tony Robbins has kind of put out there. And he has a lot of material.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny, too, and you've mentioned this even w- whenever you were talking about um, the IRC and and with AI and Web3 and all of the things that you sort of do. It's, it's finding things early, going where the, the attention is, and kind of getting in at a low entry, low barrier to entry, and I think that's what Tony did and a lot of people will do is they – they get on YouTube, they get on these late night infomercials because that's the place that they can go to and then they can point to, hey, I'm on TV, I'm here, um, they're doing the thing and then they have to grow. I actually just posted about it today. Like the equipment that I have today in this podcast room is not the equipment that I started with three years ago. Oh, yeah. I started with a, you know, a $50, $60 mic from Amazon that was featured on the page. I have a, a, a Logitech webcam that I... I borrowed from my daughter. I got two $20 LED lights. Like all of this doesn't – you don't get and you don't do all of that um, right out of the gate. And, and I think that that's, that's a message that I go back to a lot is being able to get into things at a low barrier to entry. So low friction is is optimal for me. If you can create no friction and I can get into it and then I can monetize it somehow – as you said, with that light switch that goes on, like I understand NFTs and Web3, where if I buy this, I unlock this inside of a Discord, or I unlock this experience inside of VSP. Like Those things are really easy and tangible for me, and the attention to those is only increasing. So as you want to talk about bell curves, I mean, we're, we are literally not even tipping up yet. Yeah, um yeah. and it's uh, really uh, interesting that you're you're already moving forward into AI with your project at such an early stage. Like Jet uh, the chat GPD is what they evaluated at twenty nine billion dollars the other day.
1: Crazy number. Yeah. So
0: when you see those numbers and you're using it, I'm using it. I feel really excited about where you're going with, with your project. And I I can't wait to follow along with you and just like, keep, keep this conversation going. Is there any alpha that you can give us about your project utility, or is it just a timestamp in our existence that you're symbolizing?
1: So, um, so, so here's what I, I, I'd say about anything I do. Um, It's um, you know, for somebody like me who's who did well on the internet in web two um who you know you look at TikTok, tock and i went from zero followers to over half a million uh or you look at you you know this roblox game in youtube where i hit over eighty thousand followers and i'm generating revenue off of that um for me this project is not i'm not somebody who's like it's it's more of try until so like right now people might say like oh your your project's uh, never going to take off. It's sort of like, all right, that, that's fine. But I'm like somebody who's like going to knock on that door every single day. I'm like relentless, okay? And, and it brings me back to like one of the things that at least I have in my head. It's, an, it's a recurring theme in my head is that um, I try to do something each day that is going to have an um, impactful, positive effect on my future going forward. So the cumulative effect of doing something every day, like, could you imagine if like you did one thing each day over 365 days, even if each one of those things is small, the cumulative effect of 365 days, what about now 20 years? I've been doing this for like 20 years. It it, it doesn't have to be big. I'll tell you what, I don't pay any bills because everything's on auto pay. But that had to be a decision on one day. Maybe that was my one day where I was kind of like, you know what, what did I do? And here's, I I saw in one of your podcasts, you talk about journaling. Like I journal every day. I have more. I have like bags full of these books. I journal every day of my life. And I look at it to make sure that like each day I'm doing something that's going to improve my life going forward. However small, if you keep it to big ideas, you're going to get stuck.
0: Thank you. Preach it.
1: You know, so, so you got to come up with something, even if you're kind of like, hey, you know what, every month I pay this target bill by check, get it on auto pay, and that's your thing for the day. And you know what, after 365 days, you know, some days are going to be better than others. But for a project like this, this NFT project, um, I've been working on it every day, and I'll probably keep working on it every day, um, you know, uh, until, until it makes, whatever this makes it is, but in my head, um, I'm happy that people are even collecting my work. It, it, it's like, you know, I have like you think about kind of like, oh, um, my project, I've pretty much just been giving it out to friends and uh, friends and whales and and people I know from discords. Nobody has listed it yet. Um, I, my my lowest listing is like 7.77 ETH, just as kind of like, listen, I'm not I'm not I don't want people's like point one. ETH. I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like this yep. for me. The entertainment value and what I'm building is worth more to me than that. So like uh, I'm not this isn't like a quick buck where I'm kind of like, oh, let me let me see if I can mint out like uh, and make a few hundred bucks like that means nothing to me this what I'm what I'm making is so much more important to me than like other people's like, um, you know, a few ETH here and there. So, um, just like I think with VSP and you know, since we're both in VSP, you know, AJ wants to keep things flexible. This turns into one of those things where as I'm growing I'm, and I'm evolving with the project, I don't necessarily know where it's going. But over time, as you're building, sometimes you need to be able to quit, be quick, nimble, and react to where the opportunities are. And I think that's prob- probably some of the problems with some of these big NFT projects that get a lot of money. They have a roadmap. They have to follow that roadmap because they got all this money and they don't want to be called the rug. But that roadmap doesn't make any sense anymore. So then they're like doing all this stuff that doesn't make any sense to try to please people that isn't necessarily in the best interests of the project. Right. So, you know, when you build and you do things, um, you know, your pattern recognition will kick in and say, hey, you know what, this is the next move. And you didn't know, there's no way that anybody starting a project or business is going to know when that opportunity hits, that that was the opportunity they were waiting for on day one you don't even know what those opportunities are right
0: but whenever you're you're doing something each day you're doing that thing each and every single day and you're plugged into it that's where you're going to be able to pick up the algorithm and you're going to be able to understand what's going on in the industry that you're trying to penetrate just like you played the game every day and you you were on the internet every day uh, looking at google ads every day and i'm sure you went to law school and you went to class every day like that's those are the things you got to continue to show up and show out every single time if you're really passionate about something. And, and it seems like you're really passionate about this. And I'm super excited to be on the journey with you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to get across to our listeners today uh, before we part ways? Um,
1: I, I, I think that's it. Um, you know, I, I think we covered a lot. Um, you know, I, I think I probably went through a lot of things pretty quickly. But um that's that's kind of like the culmination and everything everything you do kind of leads to where you are today. So behind like, you know, this isn't like this isn't some NFT project by somebody who's like just got a computer like last week and is kind of like, oh, you know you know, I have, I have experience in a lot of different areas and this is not even me selling this project. It's sort of like, you know, I'm building this project with or without the audience and I'm already happy with the results. Like even where I am, I'm not even, you know, for most people, I think they probably would have already looked at this project and given up, but like, um, I'm already, I think it's, it's being happy with the journey. That's what I would say. You got to be happy with the journey and not so much focused on the end result, because if you focus so much on the end result. It's good to have it there as a target but if you focus too much on it you you may be disappointed along the way. So
0: absolutely if you have this arbitrary goal inside of your head and you don't meet it um or you don't meet that arbitrary timeline or something like that it just it yeah you you got to enjoy the journey like we always say here at Stars podcast and AP oh, yeah.
1: yeah I saw that <laughs> I, I didn't even read that sign until just now. That's,
0: <laughs> That's my tagline, man. I'm like, dude, this guy's giving me the alley-oop. Kaboom. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> AP, no, seriously, man. I appreciate you so much. Um, and you're welcome back here anytime. Um, no, thank you. And, and I appreciate, full disclosure, I did get an airdrop of one of the Artemis, and um, I'm super excited about it. Um, I was very pleased with my airdrop. It's in my ledger. So shout out to you for, for giving me that. Um, I appreciate that gift.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for having me on. I love what you're doing. And, um, you know, once I looked into it more, I was so excited to be, be on here. Cause I, I think you, you and I are actually, uh, I think on the same page on a lot of things. So, I think so too.
0: Um, yeah. The synergies are certainly there. Yep, yep. All right, man. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Hey, I'll see you in the discord. All right. I'll talk to you later.
0: Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, That goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights, where we host the Twitter spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows, in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.